prendre une décision pour équiper tout le pays avec l'équipement lourd. To equip the whole country for construction equipment. Bless a mettez sous pied une stratégie qui relève caravane changement. He put a caravan together strategy. Mais but commencer moi commencer moi commencer faire route dans tout pays. Do roads in the whole country. Et pourtant but y a des monde qui pas content pour ça. Some people weren't happy. Et y a des monde qui tellement pas content. Some people is not so not happy. Yo bloqué en fait. They blocked the project. Some of the equipment set on fire. Mais c'est The blocking of the project. But he doesn't stop. It's pushing. When I'm talking to you, there's roads that are being done all over the country. With the same equipment. To tell you. Things that are very difficult when you're trying to achieve them. But this is. Hello guys, welcome to the 1804. Um, so today we'll be discussing uh, mainly one of the um, four suspects that were transported from Haiti to Miami um, to face some types of questioning involving their um, involvement in the assassination of Jovenel Moïse, former president of Haiti. Um, we'll also be discussing a maybe a potential unit from Jamaica heading to Haiti to help um, dissolve the gangs. We'll see what their leader had to say on that. And we'll take a look at the framing of the media um, in relation to Jimmy Chirizier. Um, I find it interesting. There's a lot of there's been a few pieces and a few video interviews um, conducted by mainstream media um, with Jimmy Chirizier. We'll be taking a look at that as well and how they um, they frame him as a gang leader. Um, so first off, this is the Miami Herald article. Uh, so four more suspects in the assassination of, uh, of Haiti, President Jovenel Moïse, brought to Miami. So those four suspects, essentially, it's Christian Sanon, which this guy, that was supposed to be the person put in um, the plotters, had um, decided they were going to put in position once um, Jovenel Moïse was assassinated. Um, James Solage as well, who is a former DEA informant. Oh, sorry, not James Solage. Uh, well, James Solage one of the suspects, but there's also a guy named J um, Joseph Vincent. He's the former DEA informant. And we also have Ger Germain Rivera Garcia. Um, he's a retired Colombian colonel, um, and he's allegedly one of the leaders of the attack on Moise. So they made their court appearance today in Miami at 2 p.m. today. Um, we'll take a look here. This is from the I'm heading. This is the AP article. Then I head back to the Miami Herald article right here. Um, Haitian American Jason, um, James Solage, Joseph Vincent and Christian Emmanuel, Emmanuel Manon and Colombian citizen German Rivera Garcia look calm as they entered a federal court in Miami wearing beige prisoner uniforms with their hand and ankle shackled. They did not speak at the hearing except to petition for a public uh, defender. When Judge Alicia Otez Reyes asked each of them if they can afford to pay an attorney. I would appreciate if the court would appoint a counselor, said Slage. The second of the defendant called by the judge to listen to the charges. He, like each of them, answered no when the judge asked if they have work, uh, if they have work, savings or property. The judge appointed a different attorney for each of them. Solage, 37, Vincent, 57, and Rivera, 44, were among the first arrested after Jovenel Moïse was shot 12 times at his private home near the capital of Port-au-Prince on July 7, 2021. All three accused of the conspiracy to murder of, or, or, sorry, or kidnapping outside the U.S. and providing material support and resources resulting in death. Sanon, a pastor... Uh, Dr. Enfield Businessman 54 is charged with conspiring to smuggle goods from the United States and cause export information not to be filled, as well as with smuggling goods from the United States and providing unlawful export information. 
If convicted, Salaj Vincent and Rivera face up to life imprisonment. Sanon, whose associate has suggested he was deceived by the real and still unidentified masterminds behind the assassination, faces up to 20 years if convinced. During this approximately half-hour hearing, the prosecutor requested that the four remain in detention at a federal prison, arguing that there was a risk that they would be f- uh, would flee the, con- the country. The judge set a bond hearing for Monday and arranged it for February 15th. So we'll see how this goes. They face hearing today. They're in federal prison as of now in the United States. They were in prison. Hmm. You could say at least a year. If they were in prison about July 2021, 2022 would have been a full year. Yeah, a year and a half about in Haitian prison before uh, being transferred. We'll head to the Miami article here for those listening on on the, on the podcast platforms. So according to complaints, Sano is accused of conspiring to smuggle goods, including ballistic vests from the United States and failing to export paperwork. Same thing that was mentioned in the um, AP article. The United States cont- contends that the South Florida pastor and doctor was building his own private military force in Haiti. Although Sano is not formally charged in the Moy's murder conspiracy, a Justice Department news release said his and the other suspects' actions culminated in the assassination of the Haitian president. In the main criminal complaint, federal agents say that starting April 2021, Solage Sano and others met in South Florida to discuss the regime change in Haiti and their support for Sanon as the president's replacement. They compiled a list of equipment and weapons for the effort, and Salah shared it with Sanon. The list includes rifle machine guns, tear gas, grenades, ammunition, bulletproof vests, and other weapons and equipment. That's crazy. I don't know how they can get all these weapons. Well, I know how they can, or I'm sure private... The privatization of ports is a good contributor to that too, but it's crazy how they really get all that um, into the country. According to multiple witness interview on July 6, 2021, several conspirators, including Salage Vincent Rivera, met prior to the assassination at a house nearby President Moy's residence. The FBI complaint and an affidavit said firearms and equipment were distributed and Salage falsely told those gathered that it was a CIA operation and in substance said that the mission was to kill President Moise. Um, Why would he say that it's a CIA um, operation? The um, article didn't expand or give context as to why um, he would say it's um, a CIA operation, but we'll continue the article and expand on this point here. The following day, several conspirators drove in a convoy to President Moise's residence with Salage. Vincent and Rivera traveling in the same vehicle, um, the complaint said. Once they arrived outside President, President Moi's residence, Salage announced that they were engaged in a DEA operation to ensure compliance from President Moi's security and other civilians, the complaint said. A subset of Colombian conspirators were assigned to find a president and assassinate him, and in fact, the president was killed. So, about the DEA operation, shouting, um, the day of the assassination, what happened, there were some videos that were um, floating on the internet, which um, I'll show you right now, actually. But people were thinking at the time that um, there's rumors floating around that it was uh, strictly a a covert DEA or even maybe potentially CIA operation because he was shouting it itself but then you see that um later on you see as to why there um he shouted it was for compliance and for civilians and the people think it was a legit operation um but also mainly you'll see that in the um um uh Salaj himself and later on in the article it was actually him that was shouting he says it to himself and he said it to them um, um according to miami herald he said this to the miami herald um, that he was the one shouting it was a um, DEA operation, which I'll take for you who don't know what I'm referring to. I'll play a video right here. This is from the New York Times. Okay, they say everybody do not shoot. They say they're not our enemies. Everybody do not shoot. 
And again, those for you watching, this is the night of the assassination. And for you listening, yeah, that's the audio for the assassination. Yo dim, messieurs, si nous parler opérateur ou tirer son nom. This is a DEA operation. Okay, you police, you continue to descend, you can descend, you can descend, you My God. Police haïtien, oui. Police haïtien mélangé avec blanc. Ça, blanc, yo, yo, même yo, en nègre haïtien au courrier en l'air là. Nègre jovenel yo. Oh, yo, quoi, jovenel? Yo, quoi, jovenel? Jovenel, allez. So, this guy's saying, oh, oh they took jovenel. Uh, jovenel is gone. This is one of the civilians that were recording. And I'll go back here. You'll see that he's saying, oh, the police here is mixed with white people, which I'm assuming he's referring to the Colombians. Mercenaries, don't you see Haitian police running there? Some of them involved. Yeah. And then these are some people from the operation saying men do not shoot at um, the men. However, I, uh, from the video, it's, it's hard to see in terms of uh, what kind of context. Play another one for you here. This is growing. Um, I won't play the whole video, but you'll see there's another video. The Haitian government's citizens in Sanan. The Haitian government exactly. says the assassins posed as U.S. drug enforcement agents. The DEA says they were not acting on behalf of the agency, but it does now confirm that another one of the suspects was at times a confidential informant. As tensions escalate in Haiti, three politicians are jockeying for power and have met with senior FBI and Homeland Security agents on the ground. Tomorrow, the president's chief of security will be... So that's the, the DA operation. Um, in terms of like what he was shouting, that was, that's what he was referring to there. Phone records obtained by the Herald show that Vincent was in touch with several main suspects leading up to the assassination. After the killing, he phoned his old DEA handler and was then put in touch with the agency's country director who convinced him to turn himself in. That, I find it strange. And then the article doesn't expand on this. But to me, why would um, Joseph Vincent Houding, and he's a former DEA informant, why would he um, call his former, his old DEA handler um, after the fact that... Um, after the assassination like why would he phone him um i find that very strange um unless he had some type of and then again who knows what type of relation uh relationship they must have had according to the article um the da handler convinced him to turn himself in and then the article finishes well the paragraph ends by saying despite the phone call to the dea u.s officials said vincent was no longer involved with the agency um which it's it's Hard to believe because if he wasn't involved with the agency at the same time, why are you giving your call to um, your, an old DA handler? And what is um, not clear either in this article is, is the old DA handler still involved with the DEA or is he um, is he retired, um, if he completely retired? Because then it got, that would be more telling as well if this guy is still involved with the DEA, which it doesn't, um, the article doesn't um, really state that. Um, whether or not that's a fact or not. Um, so it's, I find that very strange, um, too, considering the fact that even, too, the DEA has had some kind of... Um, um, their effect in Haiti is little, very minimal, little to none, you could say, in terms of drug running, like, in terms of, like, um, actually stopping crime. Uh, you can say they've been a little, um, in a sense, compliant or dismissive. Uh, mainly there's an article and there's two things. There's, there's whistleblowers that were stating, um, these types of claims, um, as well as I'll show you guys here, but this is a, about the bunk. Uh, there was a butchered investigation 
there was a butchered investigation a while back, well, four years ago, um, when there was this boat. Well, get this. So there was this boat, a sugar boat, so called uh, with cocaine. It arrived to Terminal uh, Varu. And Terminal Varu, if you guys don't know, that's the same terminal. So take this. So this boat arrived to a privatized port. Terminal Varu, and that same port is owned by the Mevs family, one of the family, the oligarchs um, in Haiti as well. Um, so there's that. And then there was about 700 to 800 kilos of cocaine and then 300 kilos of heroin with an estimate U.S. street value of $100 million at the time. Um, so and these drugs were were literally grabbed by uh, police and, uh, and civilians. And I'll get into the article here, just give you more context. So, and this is the part that struck me. You guys can read the article for yourself. It's called U.S. Special Counsel Lays Blame on DA in Bungled Haiti Drug Trafficking Case. Um, but here, this is the most interesting part. Not only did the DA assist the Haitian National Police in destroying some of the drug evidence and pay them 1500 U.S. for the cost, but most of the cocaine and heroin smuggled on the ship into a private seaport near Port-au-Prince went missing. The 700 to 800 kilos of cocaine and 300 kilos of heroin hidden among the bag of sugar, blah, 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 and estimated $100 million street value. Perhaps most significant because of the DA's mishandling of the Manzanera's case, federal prosecutors in Miami were able to bring criminal charges against a low-level uh, Steve Dorr who was implicated in the Cardex probe. The Steve Dorr cooperated with the federal prosecutors, received a lenient one-year prison sentence, and then was granted asylum in the United States after establishing a fear of persecution in his homeland. Other than the conviction of Gregory George, whose life has been threatened repeatedly while he was in jail in Haiti, no other suspect in the Manzanera case investigation were brought to justice in Miami. So, this is so you, and this is um, something. Uh, like they could have easily uh at least done side to some type of investigation and you don't have to take this from me too um then again this is an article that they repurposed but this is from the government uh, accountability project and this is from these uh whistleblowers and i'll get into the da's role in the in their negligence in haiti in terms of drug trafficking uh, and all that stuff. But you'll see the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration in Haiti mishandled a major investigation into a Colombian ship loaded with hundreds of kilos of cocaine and heroin, including assisting and paying Haitian officials to destroy some of the drug evidence, according to a U.S. Special Counsel's report issued Friday. The DA's botched procedures were highlighted by the Office of Special Counsel in a letter to President Joe Biden, in which the drug agencies owned finding and report a 2015 narcotics trafficking case involving the MV Manzanera ship were found to be unreasonable. One of the DEA whistleblowers who filed the complaint against the agency said it was a conflict of interest that the agency itself was assigned the initial task by then Attorney General Jeff Sessions to investigate the claim of wrongdoing. More significantly, the former DEA agent who had worked for the agency for 23 years and is now retired said the Manzanera's case exposed how his bosses in Haiti failed to fight the influx of drugs flowing through the island into the United States. It was a cover-up, Keith McNichols told the Miami Herald in an interview. One of my big complaints was that all the millions of dollars in U.S. taxpayer money that was wasted in fighting drug trafficking in Haiti. Nothing is being done in Haiti. There's a floodgate of dope coming through Haiti. And then again, this is under with the DEA, too, and the Haitian National Police, and I'm sure other organizations surrounding that, too. We don't have any confidence DEA is going to do the right thing pursuing justice, said Attorney Tom Devine, who presented Mick Nichols along with Laura Samantha Feinstein at the Government Accountability Project in Washington, D.C. We're going to stick to it, with it and brief Congress and hope some that some lawmakers will take it seriously enough to put pressure on them. And there's one interesting part here I want to highlight. McNichol's lawyers also echoed his views, saying the DA's own probe of the bungled Manzanera's case is nothing more than a buddy system where the higher-ups protect their own. For example, the DA's country at attached in Haiti, Sean Alexander, who was implicated in the corruption scandal by McNichols and the second whistleblower, was eventually reassigned to the agency's office in Slough, Florida. Alexander, a supervisor in the DEA's home office, did not respond to requests for a comment. Um, so now, 
I know I went on a little rampage here, but now going back to the phone call of um, Vincent to the DEA um, handler raises a lot of um, questions. Why did you call him? Why did you call a DEA handler? Tell him this after. And why did you feel um, comfortable enough to call him? I'm not thinking maybe he would turn around and say and maybe call, I don't know, his contacts up in the DEA or CIA or any type of um, U.S. agency or bureau say, hey, this guy just called me say, um, and just guys called me say he was involved in this assassination. Um, it's really telling, like, why was he so comfortable into calling his um, D, um, his old DEA handler? Um, something to uh, to keep a, keep an eye on as the case unfolds here. And just to show another complicity in DEA's um, in the DEA um, in Haiti. Um, it twenty. This is from an article. Haiti's leader kept a list of drug traffickers, which I believe I showed you guys on episode um, eleven or ten. But in 2013, Mr. Daniel told the authorities that he found 23 packages of marijuana floating at sea while he was on his boat and decided to bring them home. Mr. Daniel said at the time that he and Mr. Saint-Rémy called the DEA to pick up the load he discovered. Guys, got uh, for those who don't know, uh, Mr. Saint-Rémy allegedly, and he claims himself one of um to, um to be a drug trafficker. He's known to be one of the biggest drug traffickers in Haiti as well. He's also the um brother-in-law of former president corrupt uh michel martelly um Goofhead. and then you also have um um he's also according to some articles from miami herald and new york times he's also influential in terms of a point even up to appointing ministers in the government at least when uh, michel martelly uh was in power as well so so even then so you'll see here Allegedly, he called the DEA to pick up what he discovered, but prosecutor Jean-Marie Solomon doubted the story, suspecting it was a ploy to cover up a drug deal gone bad after locals had stumbled on the stash. He arrested Mr. Daniel on drug trafficking charges, but he said Mr. Matali's Minister of Justice personally intervened and ordered his release. So then again, there's always these types of drug buzz that could happen um, in Haiti. Um, but you see, it's never the DA kind of whenever these types happen, the DA is, is never is some um, for some reason never to be found. And I don't think it's a coincidence, in my opinion, um, that there has been um, at least no major drug bust from the DAA in Haiti, knowing what type of resources, knowing their expertise um, as well. And I'm not saying it's an easy job, but if you're looking at their involvement in Haiti and looking at the, the work they have to show for it. Almost little to none, considering the fact that um, even two whistleblowers are showing are telling you that there's almost no work being done completely. Um, so there's that. Um, and even then, um, which was interesting um, a while back. Well, I'll keep, I'll get I'll continue on the story here. Joseph, who also goes by the name of John Joel John is a well-known Haitian politician. He's alleged to be a central figure in the assassination. According to Haitian police, two weeks before the murder, Joseph went to rent five vehicles associated with the mission. He was joined by a powerful gang leader, Vitalum Innocent, and a former rebel leader known as the torturer, uh, Miradio Faustin. So Vitalum, one of the, and we'll get into the gangs too, which is um, one of the more powerful gangs in Haiti too, torturing, killing, his gangs involved in raping, kidnapping, and all that shit. Um, he allegedly was joined um, by by him, and they had rented out. Um, when they were renting out these these cars, these vehicles, he was joined by the gang leader Vitalom. And with Vitalom, which I want to bring you a video, it's the same guy. Um, and just to show you the relation, like why <laughs> you almost can't separate. Um, in Haiti, you you can't you almost can't separate the government and the gangs because they almost go hand in hand. Any type of story you see, there's always some type of connection you'll find between the gangs and the the politicians that are supposed to <laughs> that are supposed to do their job. Well, anyways, Vitalum actually was um, this was um, last week on a radio show, but he had claimed that he had sat down a meeting. Um, a while back 
with some higher ups in the government, including um, Pierre Marie, just to show you um, the relations with gangs here. Let me play a video. Kidnapping. Si un groupe policier qui a fait kidnapping, dis-moi tel kidnapping qui te fait, c'est où te fait. Ou même vite l'homme, est-ce qu'on va faire kidnapping? Gato, c'est une raison qui fait nous monde qui peur pas qu'à camper sous monde. Évidemment. Quel que soit un cap français qui va assumer, c'est parce que le pas quoi dans tête. Très bien. Ok? Très bien. Et moi, te dis, avant que nous parlions avec lui, non, moi, je pas la zone, je la l'appli. So he named André Michel, André Michel, a politician in Haiti as well. Avec directeur actuel là, c'est fait partie des deux membres. Qui est-ce que, on parle de directeur actuel, qui parle, qui parle ici? Directeur de la police. Ça veut dire France LB. The director of the police. Ok, ça fait toi. That he sat down, France LB, that he sat down with allegedly. Ok. Nous citons avec le premier ministre. So he just said he sat down with the PM before he was prime minister at the time. So this is gang leaders meeting up with politicians or powerfuls in Haiti to negotiate. He's reiterating it <laughs> that it's PM um, Ariel Henry. So just to show you the relation, sometimes you can't, and that's what I mean. Like it's so hard. This crisis in Haiti, you can't. A lot of these situations, you can't even separate um, the state, which is the government bodies, from <laughs> the gangs. And going back to the um, Vincent calling the his former DA informant. This is from April 26th, but an article is like, is there a U.S. intelligence agency linked to the assassination of Haiti's president? And the um, reason for that is mainly, and I'll read it to you here. In a curious new twist to the investigation into the murder of the president of Haiti last July, the Justice Department has asked a court in Miami to impose special security measures to protect classified information from becoming public in the case of one of the men accused of participating in the alleged assassination plot last July. Um, in court filing, the prosecutor asked the judge to appoint a classified information security officer in its case against Mario Palacios, a former Colombian soldier who was arrested after the assassination. The request, which was granted by the judge, appears to confirm suspicions regarding some still unclear link between the assassination of President Jovenel Moise and the actions of U.S. government intelligence agents or informants. Um, the court documents do not explain in detail why the protective measures are necessary or what kind of evidence it might refer to. The government is pretty much telegraphing CIA involvement, said Mike Vigil, the former head of operations for the DIA in the Caribbean. The court filing once again raises questions about what precisely the U.S. has been up to in Haiti and what information it may be ha may have regarding to the plot to the assassination of the president, said Jake Johnston, a Haiti watcher with the Center of Economic Policy and Research. So we'll see. But why would they want this information? Um, why would they ask for this type of information to be completely classified if the U.S. has um zero involvement in the assassination right this assassination although some of it was planned on u.s soil um it was conducted in haiti um now to me it's kind of it is weird because 
it, I find if 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 you want to be truthful and, and be more transparent, um, stating this, I don't see the U.S. putting this classified inform uh, installing a classified information securities officer um, without any type of reason, um, right? And it was for um, specifically for against Mario Palacios Palacios who was um, um, arrested. Um, to me, maybe leads to be they're trying to hide information that may link them to the assassination. Because then again, um, that I wouldn't completely rule that out uh, at all. And if not involvement, maybe complicity. If not complicity, maybe they had intel on what was going on. But we're evolving. My theory on the assassination has always been um, I don't think the U.S. did not know what was going to go on or did not know um, exactly what happened or does not know what happened. I don't think they were um, essentially I don't think they were um, when it happened, they were surprised or shocked. Um, and if they were, um, and if they were surprised or shocked, they definitely have, I think they have all the information they, um, they have now, they need now, um, to put the people behind bars, um, at least the intelligence in that part. So we'll, so, um, we'll see how it goes. There should be more arrests or more transfers, um, from, um, Haiti, um, to United States. Um, and mainly a lot of people were asking too. um, like uh, in the sense that why is it that they're able the, the assassination was done in the United States, um, um, the United States, but sorry, the assassination was done in Haiti. However, um, the investigation has heavily being done in the United States. So first of all, Haiti's justice system is complete is terribly weak. So even if that it was planned in Haiti, um, I can't see a way how we would have gotten this far in the courts, um, in the investigation, in a sense that a lot of these justice prosecutors are, were getting threatened, um, their life threatened. But now as to why it's on the, the U S is investigating it. Um, we have it right here. U S authorities in separate criminal complaints, charging other spokes have said a South Florida trip by Salaj days before Moy's killing is key to justifying the United States jurisdictional right to investigate. During that trip, they said Salaj provided a written request to the owner of the security firm responsible for paying the Colombians, asking for assistance. That request is considered a critical development in the U.S. investigation, which speaks of a co-conspirator number one. So there you have it. So we'll see how this goes. Um, um, it's definitely a follow. I'll keep uh, a story that I'll keep uh, following for sure. All right. Um, next one by Reuters. Um, Jamaica willing to take part in intervention in Haiti, the PM says. So Jamaica would be willing to take part in an international military deployment in Haiti, Prime Minister Andrew Holness told lawmakers on Tuesday, saying a Caribbean island country could also support its neighbors. The United Nations in October suggested, suggested a rapid action force to be sent to Haiti, where gangs have expanded territory after the assassination of President Jean Moïse in 2010. Left the power vacuum. That has led to the routine gun battle between police officers and the gangs with police last week blocking the streets in protest of officer uh, at officer deaths. So, guys, just to give you a recap, um, back a little late last year, Senator Blinken got to Ottawa, came to Ottawa, uh, met with Manny um, Jolie, trying to push, um, get Canada to lead some sort of intervention or um, in Haiti. And then Canada uh, had a meeting with CATICOM states, so the Caribbean states, um, trying to see if maybe one of Caribbean or Latin American states could potentially um, have a multinational force to help down in Haiti, which a lot of them said no. And one of the countries, I believe, uh, I'll have to go back and look, but one of them, I like what he said, he didn't recognize, because he didn't recognize Ayanari as a prime minister. Um, legitimate prime minister that he would not get into the affairs um, of Haiti, at least as of now. So now we're at the point where um, so Canada was pushing for the Caribbean um, states to get a to lead uh, international intervention. So now we've got Jamaica, which I don't know why um, the change of heart randomly now when this was um, back, um, this was being pushed back in October. But there seems to be some change of heart. But at the same time, it's hard for me to believe Jamaica having to, um, being able to have a big effect um, just by the fact that um, they declared a state of emergency um, 
a little late last year, which I'll get a bit into the article, but I won't read too much of it. Um, but Jamaican Prime Minister Andrew Holness renewed a state emergency in eight parishes on Wednesday to control an ongoing threat of crime linked to gang activity in the Caribbean nation. Holness on November 15 had announced regional states of emergency, which allow authorities to search buildings and arrest uh, citizens without a warrant. While we have had a reasonable success in controlling the number of murders leading up to and during the Christmas season, the threats level levels for ongoing gangs conflicts remain elevated, extensive scale, Holmes said in a press conference. The previous state emergency, as well as new firearms legislations, have accused violent crimes to decline, he said. There are 1,463 murders in Jamaica in 2021, with a gang activity accounting for 71% of these, according to the official data. So they seem to have a gang issue themselves in their own country. Um, and nothing wrong. I, I'm not trying to distance saying, oh, like, um, I wouldn't accept some type of help. Um, but then again, it's something you have to question because how effective would the help be? Um, considering they have their own um, gang issues um, at home. Uh, they have um, and they haven't done a spoon difference. It's different. So last week when I mentioned maybe El Salvador coming into helping, El Salvador still has gang issues going on. However, their approach to it was significantly had a significantly um significant um effect on gang activities going on in El Salvador. And their approach was really um harsh in that sense too. Um, now, to be fair, the, the article is not talking about any type of approach or Andrew Holness didn't speak of um, their type of approach. But clearly, they do have a gang um, issue and there's no data showing any type of significance, difference or reduction of their gangs um, activity reducing or crime reducing in Jamaica, um, actually, since ever um, Andrew Holness has been in power. Um, so there's that. Um, we'll see how that go. I'll, I'll go into it here. Um, separately, El Salvador's Vice President Felix Lua has offered to send a technical team to Haiti to offer advice in fighting gangs, a president advisor told Reuters. The Central American country has been engaged in a bloody crackdown against armed gangs on its own territory, which has drawn criticism from human rights groups. So, we'll see how this goes. It's kind of shocking to me. Uh, well, not shocking, excuse me. I'm surprised. Uh, but at the same time, I would welcome, I would definitely welcome help um, from Jamaican troops. However, though, um, this, like at the same time, you have to see the intentions. Why would Jamaica want to send their troops, I mean, not troops or their bodies into Haiti and risk losing Jamaican lives for taking out gangs in a different country? Um, considering the fact that Haiti and Jamaica don't really have... Um, well, I know Aristide at the time was establishing a few diplomatic relations with Jamaica, but they don't have that many big um, ties between the two, um, the two countries itself. So definitely um, leads me to question what's going on and why today that he's saying that he wants to, he'd, he'd, he'd um, welcome, um, welcome a, uh, an intervention to Haiti. So next, I want to take a look. So there's been a lot of interviews uh, from Jimmy Cherizier, um from Haiti and by by mainstream media. I just want to take a look here. And those of you who are not familiar, at least from what I believe, I think I don't think Jimmy Cherizier as a gang leader is one of those that is out here committing rape, gangs and killings. Um, I think in a sense, he's being used for by the international community in the sense that <clears throat> trying to pin on, uh, create an issue and pin it on him while there's other gangs actually committing crimes that have not been sanctioned, uh, not been interviewed or even, um, articles, many articles written about them, or even when you're talking about gangs in Haiti and looking at their faces, um, you're not even, um, a lot of the time it's mainly, um, Jimmy Cherizier at the center of it. Um, so let me play a video here and then I'll get into exactly, um, what I mean here, but Jimmy Cherizier, again, um, I consider him more of a revolutionary, um, not a gang leader in the sense that he's actually out here trying to fight, um, the system and the oligarchs. And he claims he's had even four attempts of killing, uh, of attempts of assassination on him himself. Um, he's the same guy that, um, claimed multiple times that he's been offered money because at the time when. Uh, one of the oligarchs, Boulos, thought he was one of a, um, 
an actual gang member committing crimes, he was offered money from Bulos to go burn down a Toyota dealership down the block of where his um, Bulos' Nissan dealership was. So um, there's that going on. He's denied money. He allegedly denied money that way. So it begs you the question, and I'll then again, let me see. I'll play the video and then we'll get into it here. Give me one sec. This is a country that is falling apart day by day. We wanted a move from one area of the capital, Port-au-Prince, to another, crossing two rival gang territories. Sky News contacts insisted we had a police escort. Machine guns ready, they cleared a way through. It is that bad. The officers were wary. Ten policemen were killed here in the last week. Haiti has been bad for years, but this is a new development. There is now no elected controlling authority at all. Some countries are actively considering sending in foreign soldiers to impose order. Port-au-Prince is a seething mass of desperate people. 60% of the city is under gang control. There are over 100 groups, and that is who the international force would face. After weeks of negotiation, we were guided by a motorcycle rider into the heart of one of the most notorious gang-controlled areas. We came to meet a man known to everyone as Barbecue. He says sending in foreign forces would be a disaster. Jimmy Chirizier is a former police. Man, this is the guy that they sanctioned. And before I continue the video, just to show you, so the UN sanctioned him. Um, when you talk about the mainstream media and the press, when they're looking at gangs and they're always pinned on um, Jimmy Chirizier. Um, this, this is from the Washington post. Um, then again, I'm talking about other gangs like Vitalom, um, uh, gang, Katsamao Zo. Um, and then you're looking at here and this is from, just to give you better context. This is from December 16th, 2021 from the Washington post. So look back and in Haiti, the Western hemisphere's poorest country holds the grand record of the world's highest kidnapping rate per capita. Okay. One gang, 400 Mawazo, which was, was, was responsible for 80% of abductions in Haiti from June through December 2021, according to Gideon Jean, director of the Center for An Analysis and Research in Human Rights in Port-au-Prince. So a gang that was, was responsible for 80% of kidnappings for four months in a year has still yet to be sanctioned by the U.N., um, has yet to even have a hit piece article as much as Jimmy Cherizier. Now, in terms of the interviews, that's something more interesting too, right? Because um, these mainstream media outlets have a lot of access to Jimmy Cherizier, um, but for some reason, they don't have access to these actual gangs. Now, it begs me to wonder, is it because um, those gangs can't guarantee their safety? I have no clue. I don't know how usually that even works. But that's something I've always thought about if it's because it can't guarantee the safety or is it on purpose, um, on purpose too, that, um, the mainstream media, maybe they know what's going on and they're going to Jimmy, um, to frame, to come back and frame it in a way, um, that's not favorable to him. He's under sanctions from the UK for his actions here, but he does remain. So you see, he's under sanctions for the UK for his actions here. But they can't really say his actions other than that, um, that and that flaky, very flaky, flaky RNDDH report that was said that he par participated in the massacre of La Saline of 2018, even though there's no evidence of that at all. One of the most powerful people in Haiti today, and he doesn't like being interrupted. I'll just skip that part here. I should know. I'm probably seeing it. And this is the part two. Like, you'll see this, and then. And he looks. They make him look crazy. And he kind of looks crazy here. 
But he said he doesn't like getting interrupted. And I'm assuming he's yelling because people are talking about while he's getting, he's interviewing. Hey, 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 hey. Constantly escorted by machine gun toting guards, he told me the threat of an organized hit on him is permanent. He has survived four attempts already. The square guy, Blizzard. The blue building, yeah. The blue building, yeah. yeah. Okay, we've got to be lying to you now. Barbecue is the leader of one of a collective of gangs called the G9. They are very powerful, but not powerful enough to take on the other 91 gangs. Yeah. You can't go across because the white no. people yeah. over, they'll shoot. So if you were to just go through here now, would they shoot? Yeah. yeah. So Barbecue and his men control their area, police it and patrol it. It's hard to explain, but this is like a castle, and inside, barbecue is the king. But his enemies are only one wall away. He dispenses money and largesse. He sees himself as a revolutionary fighting against the dark corruption of government and oligarch businessmen. But he is a gang leader and is always under attack. Port-au-Prince is a war zone every minute. The edges of their territory are clearly marked and he rarely goes beyond them. What's really incredible actually is the sense... And again, they don't really give any type of context. And every time these mainstream media goes down to Haiti, it's always him that they seem to be um, interviewing. In, in a war zone, actually, going through back alleys to get between the front lines, which are around the corner. It's like being in Aleppo. It's and to be honest, I'll ask you, does he look like some type of menace that's out here raping, killing, and doing all this stuff? I doubt it. Like being in Mosul. It's, uh, it's quite remarkable, actually. You've got so many factions, so many gangs fighting each other, and uh, their territories are very specific. And keep in mind, the territory, like, when he's talking about territories, they don't really expand on this video. Um, the territory he's, he, he has, it's, it's a neighborhood uh, pro uh, protected, but mainly of people so they don't get attacked by the actual gangs that are committing these kidnappings, abductions, and killings. So the, the, the zone that he has is protecting people can live there freely and do whatever they want. They're not living the, the zone that Jimmy Sherry occupies. Um, these people are not living in fear for their life or abduction or kidnapping. He's there actually protecting them. Um, but you, do, you won't get that context. Um, Ironically, it is safer for us to film here in this gang-controlled territory than in most of the rest of the And they keep using gang-controlled territory, which I know he is a gang, but they, they say it in a way that's with a, a lot of negative connotation. ...city where we could easily be kidnapped or killed. And that is something that every single person lives with here every single day. I'll show you another one here. And this is from the AP. And then I'll show you a video from Al Jazeera after, but I'll get the I'll sit, start the article from the AP. Uh, so in Haiti, gangs take control as democracy withers. And who do you see again at the leader at the front? Jimmy Cherizier. So someone that's not even involved or not looking at this will think, well, this guy is a gang leader. He's definitely the cause of the issues, even before reading the article. Um, so Jimmy Cherizier. Oh, sorry, that's the that is the description. Cherizier, best known by childhood nickname Barbecue, has become the most recognized name in Haiti. And here in his territory, enveloped by the tin roof homes and bustling streets of the informal settlement La Saline, he is the law. 
Internationally, he is known as Haiti's most powerful and feared gang leader. That is false. Well, in terms of if you're watching mainstream media, he might be, he look like, um, Haiti's, he, he will look like he's a gang leader. However, yet there's a lot of gangs, Vitalom, Katsumaozo, that are committing crimes. There's gangs from the private sector, economic sector, uh, political sector that are committing crimes and yet have not even been sanctioned or not as much, they have not drawn as much attention as Jimmy Shirazier has. And why is that? Um, continue. Uh, cause it doesn't, it won't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. And then again, out of all of the gangs in Haiti, I keep mentioning this. He's the only one sanctioned by the UN. He's the only one yet. He's the one that's claiming to, um, to actually be protecting, um, Haitian citizens and fighting against the system of oppression in Haiti. Sanctioned by the United Nations for serious human rights abuse and the man behind the fuel blockade that brought a Caribbean nation to its knees last late last year. But if you ask the former police officer with gun tattoos running up his arms, he's a revolutionary advocate against a corrupt government that has left a nation of 12 million people in the dust. I'm not a thief. I'm not involved with kidnapping. I'm not a rapist. I'm just carrying out a social fight. She is a leader of GNI families, family and allies, told the Associated Press while sitting in a chair in the middle of the empty road in the shadow of a home with windows shattered by bullets. I'm a threat to the system. At a time when democracy has withered in Haiti and gang violence has spiraled out of control, it's armed men like Sherry Zia that are filling, filling up the power vacuum by, left by a crumbling government. In December, the UN estimated that gangs controlled 60% of Haiti's capital. But nowadays, on the streets of Port-au-Prince, say the numbers are all close to 100%. There's democratically no, um, speaking little to no legitimacy for Haiti's government, said Jeremy McDermott, ahead of Inside Crime, a research center focused on organized crime. Haiti's nearly 200 gangs have taken advantage of the chaos wearing for control. And then again, this AP is telling you there's over 200 gangs, yet one of the guys involved have been sanctioned. Tension comes in Port-au-Prince, police checkpoints, dot busy intersection, and graffiti tags reading down with Henri can be spotted in every part of the city. Cherizier, who would not tell the AP where his money came from, Claims he's just trying to provide security and improve conditions in the zones he controls. Okay, and this is funny too because you're when you're saying, "Oh, where did money come from?" You're kind of by saying by adding this, why saying by adding, "Oh, um, he wouldn't tell us where his money came from." You're already showing that oh, he's kind of sketchy and he's a liar before getting into the phrase here saying he claims he's just trying to provide security, and improve conditions, zones he controls. So somebody reading this will look at Jerry Sears' claim and be like, well, why wouldn't he tell the AP where he gets money from? Oh, gang activity. And then again, where did he get his money from? Um, who knows? Um, you could ask a bunch of revolutionaries where they get their monies or guns from too, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, if they're, going, doing, um, if they're using the system, a broken system, and doing right by the people, I personally think that's a good thing. Well, at least, and then you can go and fix up that system. Inside Crime estimates that before the killing president, Shazia's Federation of Gangs, G9, got half of its money from government, 30% from government, 30% from kidnappings, and 20% from extortions after the killing. Gouvernement fund, government, sorry, government funding dipped significantly according to the organization. Um, where did they cook up those numbers? I have zero clue where they cooked up those numbers. The blockade paralyzed the country in the midst of a cholera outbreak and gave other gangs a foothold to expand. Sheikh Zayed claimed the blockade was in process of rising inflation, government corruption, and a deepening inequality um, in Haiti, which, and again, exactly, that was what he had blocked. He had even claimed at the time, too, that that's why he was protesting it. And if you guys don't know, it was Terminal Varu where it was blocked, and that's the certain terminal that it's owned by the Mevs family. In October, during Shirizia's blockade, armed men belonging to powerful Katsamaoso gang stormed their neighborhood. The same gang was behind the kidnapping of 17 missionaries in 2021. And they have yet to be, um, be sanctioned. 
And this is what I have to show you. So that's one of the pieces in the last one here from Al Jazeera. Um, Haiti's high-profile gang leader speaks to Al Jazeera about crisis. On fuel costs with this 10-second software this update, ad here. this simple trick will save you thousands on fuel. From policeman to the most influential strongman in Haiti, this is Jimmy Barbecue Charizier, the leader of the G9, a coalition of some of the country's most powerful gangs. That alliance controls swathes of the capital, Port-au-Prince, as it has fought rival organizations, killings, extortion and rape have shot up. The United Nations say it's the worst violence in the country in decades. But in his first interview with international press in more than a year, Cherizier argues the gangs aren't at the root of Haiti's problems. Everyone sees only people with guns doing violence, but they don't see the corruption in the country. If you steal state money, if you don't build hospitals and schools and don't care for those in need, all this will continue to spawn violence. Even if you eliminate all armed gangs, if social problems are not solved, there will still be the same amount of violence. Successive Haitian governments have long neglected the population, but now there's also a power vacuum in the country. Not one official has been democratically elected, and many see the current Prime Minister, Ariel Henry, as illegitimate. Analysts say that's let the gangs off the leash. Well, before, the gangs acted as a kind of uh, mercenaries uh, to the so with the economical lead and political leaders but they have uh, over the years diversified their income sources and have acquired uh, some kind of autonomy uh, from their sponsors as they have became become increasingly powerful Charizier says he's a community leader, protecting people under his control. But gangs in Haiti control food, fuel and other commodities passing through their territory, demanding protection money, hijacking trucks. The United Nations also accuses Charizier of massacring civilians and blockading the country's largest fuel terminal. Last October, it levelled sanctions against him. He told Al Jazeera he was innocent and unworried. So, you see, they go into these accusations, and then if you look back again, um, ITWT's article and the documentary posted by Uncaptured Media and ITWT, but you'll see that it was a false claim report um, written by Pierre Esperance, and then the mainstream media used it, picked it up, and then they said that he participated in the Las Adeline massacre when that is not what um, happened, essentially. What happened is that there was an operation where a bunch of policemen had um, had died in the operation. And then I think, I don't want to butcher this, if it was not a, a within a week, um, he had done a special operation with the police and they had gone back just to go get, retrieve the bodies. And within the exchange of fire, um, exchange of fire between the police trying to get the bodies and the gangs, there were casualties that were lost in that exchange. And then what happened, they framed it as a massacre and saying Jimmy Cherizier was out here killing people when that's not the fact. Um, the fact of, uh, fact of the matter is he was actually fighting the system. And then, but they put this report out after he was disgruntled and the system and the way it worked um, in Haiti as well. I don't have a problem with sanctions against me because I carry Haiti in my heart until I die. It doesn't bother me because I don't travel, I don't have any goods and any interest in foreign countries. I want to stay and live in my country just like the US, Italians and Canadians are proud to live in their home. I'm proud to live in Haiti. But in Haiti the crisis continues. The day Al Jazeera spoke to Cherizier, Protests erupted after more than 10 police officers were killed across a week. An ex-policeman himself, he says they're outmatched and underfunded. Honestly, the police lack a lot of means to guarantee safety, but the country's problem is more political. It is the politicians who are creating chaos so that they can keep their power to make more money. These are all the reasons why they don't pay the policemen well and give them the means and they become discouraged. The United Nations is advocating for a foreign force to intervene and help the national police bring law and order. So far, there are no takers to lead it. There are also serious doubts about whether there will be elections this year. 
But if nothing changes, men like Cherizier will continue to be all powerful. And this is here the end of the end of the video by saying men like Cherizier. If this doesn't happen soon, men like Cherizier will be will continue to become all powerful. And the way they say that makes it seem like Cherizier is the issue down in Haiti, and he's this powerful. Um, gang leader when when you really look at the big picture he's not that powerful comparative to the big picture um as well um small example very small example um but if if let us say all the gangs like if if all the all the people in the private sector and political sector decided hey let's put our gangs up together um to go attack the g9 i don't think jimmy would stand a chance and that's you're talking about um over 50 to 100 gangs which means gangs going to attack a coalition of nine gangs um so but the way they say it how all the if something doesn't happen soon in haiti jimmy will stay powerful makes it seem that, again he's the one doing these um uh, committing these crimes and these and the um, he's the problem in haiti which is not uh, true so that's it for me guys um thank you for tuning in um i'll have some i'll have some more content for you maybe throughout the week uh maybe a shorter episode uh a bonus episode um during the weekend i'll keep you guys posted on that so thank you guys for joining thank you for supporting please um when you get the chance please like and subscribe uh that truly be appreciated um thank you very much and take care